Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. This morning, you good? Awesome, awesome. It's cool to have the Steel Boys back in the church this morning. Nice to see you, Jake. So good. Sam floating around the building somewhere. I saw him earlier. We're having you guys here. Hey, uh, this, is a, this is a fun Sunday. Ends that weekend. Glenn and Deb, our senior pastors and their family, they're away on holiday um, at the moment, having a well-earned break. And, I love it when our senior pastors are away because I get to preach more when they're gone. And uh, preaching, preaching here at Thrive is definitely one of my most favorite things in the world. Um, it's way, way up there. And it's, it even beats hunting, um, which is one of my biggest passions. And I got to go off hunting this week with Sean, and he's a really cool guy. And I actually got to write my message, old school, pen and paper, out in the bush. And I was packing my, uh, my bag, and you, know, you put it on, and it goes, oh, it's not too bad. You put a few more things in, put it on, it's not too bad, and then as it gets filled up, man, this is heavy, and uh, I needed to get a lighter Bible, so I got a nice light Bible, and even had that moment of going, man, do I really need to take my Bible into the bush? Normally I just use my phone, but there was no data reception, so my app wouldn't work, and I had that moment going, what, could I leave my Bible behind? I thought, like, what are you doing, man? What sort of priority is that? You're going to you know, leave some food behind and save the weight there and take your Bible. And so I thought, no, nah, I'll just take everything. I'm not leaving food behind. And then <laughs> I came out. I had like a day and a half food left over that I tramped out with. I'm always paranoid that I'm going to get hungry in the bush. It's like one of my biggest life fears that I would be wet, cold, and hungry. It's just like I'm not doing the triple threat. No way. And so, um, so I was writing this message out in the bush this week. It went into Arthur's Pass and trapped, tramped in for four hours up the up this river, which shall remain nameless for it is secret to Sean. And uh, got there and set up a base camp. And then from the base camp, we would hike and climb up this waterfall, which would take about another hour, hour and a half up to the first summit. And we'd get to the summit. And then we could spend the next sort of one to three hours climbing around the summits, glassing off the different mountains. We were there for a couple of days. Didn't see a single animal, uh, not even a rabbit. I saw two, um, two, two little birds. They had like a white body and a black head, these kind of robin-looking things. I heard a kia, and then I saw another normal bird. And that was it. That was, there was nothing. There was just like... <laughs> these massive mountains. Massive mountains. Mountains look incredible when you're at the bottom looking up. When you're at the top looking down, they're, they're not awesome. They are just terrifying. Um, I do not enjoy being at the top of mountains. I'm very scared of heights. But nonetheless, that's where I was. And uh, then one of, the, one of the mornings we had a campfire going and I had my Bible and I was off sitting on this big boulder with this river running past. And I was just reading out of the book of John been working my way through the Gospels, doing Matthew, uh, Mark, then John, jumping back to Luke starting tomorrow because then Acts carries on from Luke. And I was reading in the last two chapters of John, and as I was reading those, no, you, I'll see you later, beautiful. How you doing? Um, 
And so I was just reading this, and I just began crying as I just got like ambushed by the presence of God sitting in the middle of nowhere, just reading the account of Jesus' final day. I mean, Jesus' final day is amazing. It's interesting, the book of John, as a side note, the disciple who really understood the revelation of Jesus' love, all the other gospels, they account all the miracles. John spends the first two thirds of his book just talking about Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees. He just details all as a book of arguments. And that's what he talks about until he gets to Jesus' last day. And then it's this incredible four or five chapters of this intense poetic writing of Jesus just opening his heart up to his disciples in his final moments. And I was reading this, and I just began weeping, just completely like blown apart by how amazing God's love is. And I, was, I don't read out loud, but this is me seeing this rock going, and then they took Jesus, and they, and they beat him. And I'm like, Jesus, why would you do this? And I'm crying, going, man, I'm pleased there's this loud river going past. Sean can't hear me crying. Uh, but over the last few weeks, it's almost like, in a way that I've met Jesus for the first time all over again. And I've had, I had a really interesting season in life. I've had more challenges uh, probably in the last six months than I had in the last five years combined, it felt like. It's probably just me being my personality. Um, but man, it's been crazy. And just the way that Jesus has met me, where I've been at, and just let his love pour over me. It's been incredible. I've had in the last two weeks, three really massive encounters with the love of God, where he's just taken me, loved me where I am, restored my energy and my life and my confidence, and has just been capturing my heart. And what I want to do today is I want to share a word that I hope will begin to encourage you and inspire you to prepare your hearts for the upcoming season that God has got in store for us as Thrive Church. Because uh, there is something, uh, I almost feel it's kind of like I've been talking with Glenn and he touched on it last week and I've got permission for a few spoilers, but church is right on the edge, it seems, of like a whole nother theme and a wave of what God is doing. And I love the, the seasons that God takes us through and there's something new coming. And so I want your hearts to be prepared for it so that you engage with the momentum of what He's doing as soon as possible. Does that make sense? Because often like it happens is God does something and we can kind of take a step back and we kind of watch and observe for a while. Is this legit? Is this, do I want to engage in this? Do I want to get, are you engaging? He's engaging with it. Okay, He's doing it. I don't like him very much though, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this person. You're cool. Are you doing it? You may be doing it. You may be, I, are you asking me? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, oh man, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, far out. And then, you know, then you start doing it. I've done this so many times and I, I missed like half the ride and I get to the end of whatever it was that God was doing. I used to do this with Chris, our old senior pastor all the time. Like, man, Chris, I'm sorry. I should have jumped in right at the start. He goes, yeah, I know, that's okay. But I'd just be like, mm, I just wait to see how this goes. Oh, waste too much emotion. I keep my reserves, you know. So I want to share some stories with you too. Help prepare your hearts with what God's doing. So six years ago, I was living in Invercargill. We've got some Invercargill lights here today, so that's good. I won't make any weather jokes in the second service. Uh, but I was there for about five years. Honestly, my gosh, I, I moved there at 20. It rained every day for the first 21 days that I was there. I was like, what is that? I rang mum, and she's like, it hasn't rained once. Mama. 
distracting me, beautiful. And uh, so anyway, so I went to Invercargill and I met my wife down there, got married. I was working in television, doing media. I was like living the dream. It's like the cheapest place to live on the world. I loved it. I'd save money by mistake because I just couldn't spend my money fast enough because everything was so cheap. Like honestly, I paid $60 a week for my, for my flat rent, 60 a week for my room. It was crazy. Anyway, so I'm down there and I'm doing media, having a blast. ICC is an awesome church, Ian and Dale Wright, the senior pastor there. We had Dale here a few weeks ago and I'm helping lead in their team that are running an extension service. And I'm doing that, I'm having a good time and we're about to move to Dunedin. Right? Anna's been working for a year and a half, uh, full-time study, pretty much learning to uh, be a, a manager and an accountant. And we need to move to Dunedin for you to finish your qualifications. And we're all set to move. I'm starting to apply uh, for jobs up in the media stations up there. And then Grant Barraclough, who was one of the associate pastors at the time, takes me out for coffee and says, hey, I reckon that you're meant to be a pastor. I said, yeah, I, I think so too. I reckon, honestly, give me another 20 years in media and then I feel like I'm going to make the switch. And he goes, yeah, I reckon you're meant to do it right now. And I was like, hmm. It's okay that you're wrong. That's fine. I'm okay with you being wrong. And we had a real black and white conversation. I was like, look, mate, we're set. I'm pretty sure I would know if I wasn't meant to be moving. If we were meant to be staying here, I, like, trust me, pretty prophetic, I'd know. And he, and he goes, well, honour me and do as I say. Go home and pray about it one more time. Just honour this word. Pray about it for me. So, okay, fine. Nothing's going to happen. Pfft, whatever. Went home. Like, honestly, it would be less than five minutes. We're going, God, are we meant to move? Am I meant to be a pastor? And I was, like, on the ground, bawling my eyes out, just completely blown apart. I was like, God came with a hot poker and just stabbed me in the heart, and, and I was destroyed. And Rohanna comes into the room, like, what is going on? Because I'm just like... God, like the ugliest crying of all time. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to be a pastor. And she's like, no, you're not. You're going to be like, like you're going to be a movie maker. You're going to be a director. I was like, I'm not anymore. I'm going to be a pastor. She's like, what does this mean? I was like, it means we're not moving to Dunedin. And she's like, wait, what? We're not moving to Dunedin. I'm like, we're not. We're going to be a pastor. And I'm crying, crying. And I start going on like this, going, how could I stand before God in my final days and hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, if I didn't respond to his call and give him everything that I had? How could I, how could I have that moment of, of receiving the Father's love and affirmation if I know in my heart that the time when he came and he called me, that time when I was chosen, I was set aside, and I was called and I didn't respond to it because the sacrifice was too much. How could I do that? I just remember saying it over and over and over. I have to do this because I can't have that in my heart that I didn't respond to his call. And it wasn't a fearful thing. It was just a reality. I knew he had called me and I had to respond. And so Rihanna went on a journey praying about it as well. And the rest is history. God spoke to us both and we, and we you know, I became a pastor and I went to Bible college and all of that stuff. And I was like, when God brought a new season in that moment, 
It wasn't like I had to have a big thought process decision about it. I didn't have to write out the pros and cons. I didn't have to wrestle with anything. He just ambushed me in all of the reasons why I wouldn't want to. They looked like nothing compared to the big heart shift he just instantly brought. Like I went from over here in an instant, I was a thousand miles over there, like media and all that stuff. Like that just began to just like, Boom, it was like a landslide, all those dreams, everything. Like they were just like whoosh. And and I was like, well, here I am. I'm just instantly changed. My my desires and everything, they've changed. I've just yielded to it. And now this is where we're going. And there were times where I looked back at that stuff, go, man, I really want this, but this heart pull was just way too significant. It was like a like a tractor being just like whoosh, pulling me in. And so that was, that was a really cool way of God preparing me for a season. And sometimes, and like as we go into a new season with church, some of you may have that experience. You may have that moment where you feel like, no, this is exactly what I'm doing. And I'm not saying that you're all going to become pastors, just talking about the, whatever it is, the call that God has on your life. You could be right here, and then all of a sudden you have a moment, and in an instant you're way over here, and it's like God just flicks the switch, the timings, everything, the stars are lining up, and it's like, Boom, we're there, and it's awesome. Uh, some other realities that I've gone through was I had that call to ministry, and it was amazing. And then five years into that journey, oh, oh, I'm in such a different heart and headspace, like so different. Like, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't have any dream. I don't have any vision. I don't have any conviction. I don't have any joy. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, man, God, why did you call me to be a pastor? I could have been making movies. Oh God, I could have been like five more years. I'd be making movies by now because I'm just that self-confident. Like me and Peter Jackson, five years more, we'd be tight. And I and it was this whole thing. And that big heart emotional response, that was gone. Like that was an awesome launch pad, but it was gone. And so then I had to go, God, what are you asking me to do? I actually can't do it with the heart that you've given me. I can't do this anymore. I don't have it in me. And I could have just like sat back and been like, well, you know, I'm just going to be average now. And average is better than awful. Um, but I had to take a level of responsibility for the own condition of my heart and begin to seek God to change. I needed to be proactive about it. And so I started going, God, would you change my heart? Like, God, I need you to change my heart. God, give me a heart for ministry again. God, I'm mean, going, God, give me a heart for young people, just in general, young people. Man, God, oh, why did you call me to young people? God, give me a heart again. And over about six weeks, bit by bit, God started to change my heart again. I started to find that groove again, that rhythm again, that hunger again, the dream again, the passion again, the life again, and the joy again. And then the overflow was back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in ministry. I'm living the dream. But it took that just that that repetitiveness going, God, I need you to change this for me. I can't do this on my own. No, no, reading books is not going to help me in this, God. I have a heart issue. I need a bigger heart revelation, and you're the only one that's going to give it to me, God. If you've called me, then you'll equip me. God, give me what I need. And so it was this, this challenging time of going into that stuff because, man, our hearts are like a fire. 
And sometimes when, when God brings a new season, you just instantly catch it and you're like, you're just running with it. It's like God poured petrol on you and struck a match and you are off. Other times you're like the fire that I built a couple of days ago in the bush where you get a little bit of toy toy seeds, you get a little bit of dry moss and you don't want to spend forever. So you use a little bit of paper as well because you're just like, whatever, no one's judging me. I can use paper in the bush and I'll still be manly. And you get it and you get it going and you just like slowly just blowing on it a little bit. Then you get a few more twigs and you stick it on there and then a bit bigger and you build it bigger and bigger and pretty soon you've got a really good fire and then you get Sean Mulaney going, bro, why don't you put rocks around that thing? Look, there's runners going off. Why are you stomping the flame out? Put some rocks around it before we get in trouble. And you get a really good fire and then you fall asleep next to it and then you wake up freezing and realise that you should have been in your sleeping bag at 10 and it's only like 8.30 but you're just that tired because you're not very fit. But anyway, that's what our hearts can be like. You know, we've got to have the attention to it. I want to say, man, it is such a good time to be a Christian. It is such a good time to be in the world where Jesus is the hope of the world. Sam's just been overseas in, in the States, but he just pop up here for me, mate. And he's just been having an adventure with the presence of God. So I've asked him to come share a little bit, um, then I'm going to jump back up. Buddy. Cool, man. Thanks, bro. Yeah, so about three months ago, I was in a staff prayer time. And Mitch said, uh, you know, have you heard about this Azusa event that's going on? Um, and basically Azusa was, it was this revival that took place 110 years ago where this guy, William Seymour, he, he was just in prayer and he had a bunch of guys with him and together they saw a revival just fall down. It was one of the biggest revivals since Pentecost and um, just an amazing time. And so I went to this event that was 110 years on. So it was just like the anniversary and it was believing for revival and and just a day spent in prayer and fasting. Um, and so I kind of went, I heard about this thing and I was like, yeah, I really want to go to that. And I kind of just mustered up some faith. And over the three months, I just really saw God provide in some incredible ways. You know, I thought he would um, give me a check or something or someone would just walk up to me and be like, here, man, here's some money. But no one did. And I just kind of, I just, it was just more people came and gave me words of encouragement and, you know, instilled faith in me and that kind of thing. And I had opportunity to work. But um, through the whole time, I saw God, God being faithful. And it came for um, the time to leave. And we went to all these rallies before Azusa. And it was just incredible seeing people healed. Um, it was just a real time for me to just kind of enlarge my faith a lot more. Um, and yeah, so the day before the revival event, I was on the side of the road in, in Venice Beach in Los Angeles, and we were praying for people on the street, and I just kind of ran into the Bethel team, which was awesome. Um, those guys are incredible, eh? Um, they prayed for someone, this old lady, just side note, and she was in a wheelchair. She was paralyzed legs down. Is that paraplegic? Is that what they're called? Yeah, something like that. And, um, and she was healed. This old lady, they prayed for her, and she was healed. She stood up and could walk around. She turned out to be the Kardashian's grandmother, which is just like incredible, and, and like it's a total massive seed that can be planted in their lives. Um, but I remember these three girls walked past, and we kind of prayed for them, and these three girls were just gnarly looking, like tattoos, um, like piercings everywhere, and you could just tell that they'd suffered and had some real um, terrible times in life. And we started praying for them, and this like this one girl, the youngest of the, the, the daughters, um, she was in Los Angeles because she had like chronic um, bipolar, and so she was here getting treated. And we're giving her words of knowledge and like kind of praying and prophesying over her, and um, 
and I kind of look up and I see that like the mum and the sister just like cuddling her and bawling their eyes out as she's just like encountering God's love. And it was probably one of the most profound things I've ever seen um, as I just realized that God's love was so real in that moment and it was incredible. And then I kind of turn around and I start praying for this guy, TJ. Um, he's a rapper. It was cool. And uh, so I'm praying for TJ and he starts falling over. So I kind of pick him up and ends up that he starts praying for me. And I'm kind of just sitting there in his arms. And in that moment, he says, you're not in my arms, Sam. You're in the arms of, of Jesus. And it's like all of a sudden this wave of love just washed over me. And it's like I stepped out of my body and I could see me just holding on to the arms of Jesus, just like wrenching on as tight as I could. And um, just like Jared on that rock for probably 10 or 15 minutes, I was just bawling my eyes out and um, everyone else just thought I was a weirdo, but that's what I do, I cry. Um, yeah, and so just the whole, like I came to the next day and I went to Azusa and we were there for about 17 hours, 17 hours of praying. I didn't fast because I love food too much and God's working on, <laughs> working on me with that. But um, and it was just an incredible time, like seeing all my heroes in the faith. Um, Bill Johnson prophes- uh, had a word of knowledge that someone had a deaf ear. And I turn around and there's this guy standing there, so I pray, and the first few times nothing happens, but the fourth time I pray, it just suddenly clicks open um, his right ear, and he's just sitting there crying, hearing for the first time out of his right ear, and it's like suddenly my faith was enlarged, and I was like, actually, this is what I was born to do. I was born to pray for sick people. I was born to be out there on the street to go to Starbucks and pray for people and see them healed and, and bring encouragement to them and that kind of thing. And so just an encouragement to you guys, you know, like for the three months leading up to it, it was a massive faith step for me getting there. And um, I believe that God gives you the desires of your heart. And when you ask for bread, he's not going to give you stone. He's faithful in everything he does. And um, so really just partner with God and, and, and watch your dreams become reality. Come on, Sam, man. That's so cool. That's not... It's not every day that you pray for someone who's deaf in the ear and they get healed, but man, how much fun would it be if it was every day? I mean, what would that be like? Is it, what did you do this morning? Oh, I healed a, healed a blind dude. Oh, did you, did you use oil or did you use a spit trick? Which one was it? It was like, oh, actually, no, I just, I just saw him in the distance, so I just went like this, be healed, and it's washed, and then boom, I got healed. That was awesome fun. Awesome fun. Hey, so I'm, I'm talking about you know, different ways where we, where we kind of see what God is doing or we get a, a feeling or an idea or a word and the way we begin to alter our lives or our heart response to be in line with what He's doing. See, we're the Holy Spirit, one of the things He's known in is, is a wind. And what you want to do with God is the Holy Spirit, He's always moving. Like the wind is always moving, otherwise it's not the wind. And so He is always doing something. And you know, the wind is always moving and changing direction. And we're, we're going to try and lead our lives like a sailboat where we're always looking and say, God, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? And we begin to prepare ourselves. Like you watch the guys when they do the America's Cup races and all those things. Like they look for the changes of the wind and then they quickly begin to prepare. They change the sail. They get the tact moving because they want to catch the change as quickly as possible. And so I just want to unpack a little bit what I feel like 
some of the changes that could be coming up for us as a church. It's not like, man, this is definitely what God is doing because we see in part, we prophesy in part, and, and, but God's got, God's got some really cool things ahead of that I am confident of. And so the other day we we're in a in staff meeting. We we're having it at Glenn and Deb's house for a bit different. And, and Glenn wanted to unpack for the staff some more of his dream. You remember a while ago he shared a dream that he saw these three massive waves coming in, waves of salvation, waves of finance, and waves of glory. And he was feeling that as a church, that wave of salvation was like it's almost imminent for us as a church. And he was wanting the staff to begin to prepare their hearts for the wave of God's salvation, whether that be, you know, just actually people meeting Jesus for the first time or whether that be, you know, the sozo, the fullness of His healing, the restoration, the glory of salvation to its whole extent over our mind and over our will, over our bodies. And so we're there at staff and the purpose of the meeting was to plan how we could pretty much take this theme of salvation, if you like, and package it up for the church. How we could work our branding out, how we could work our messages out, who's going to be doing what, all the practical nuts and bolts of it. And Glenn gets a little bit of the way, like a few minutes into opening this up, when the Holy Spirit just begins flowing in and he begins crying and trying to get these words out. And it's like God had captured his and Deb's heart was a theme of salvation. And he was starting at the top and beginning to flow that heart heart cry out into the staff and into the rest of the church. And so what they had set up was they were going to do communion and, and then they felt like they would, they would serve communion to each one of the staff. And so I'm there and, and what Glenn says is like, I want to serve you communion to each one of you, but I want you to consecrate your life to Christ all over again. I want you to look at what the call is for salvation. And he said, I know that you're tired. I know that you're off the back of storm camp. I know that you guys are worn out. But I just feel for the next season that what we're going into, that God is, is requiring. It's like there is something more that He's asking. And if you are able to, like don't do it under false pretense, but if you're able to surrender your whole life to Him all over again, that your life is forfeit and, and you're just giving all that you are for the call that He's placed on your life. And so Mitch is the first one to go up and respond. And I'm, and I'm watching Glenn and Deb serve these guys communion and prophesy over them. And I'm looking at my life and looking at that, you know what Glenn was saying, like, would you sacrifice your life again? Would you lay your life down again? And I'm looking at my life going, man, I don't have anything to give. Like, what, what Jesus could I possibly give to you that would even be worth sacrificing to warrant what it is that you're giving to me? I mean, you're giving me the invitation to serve you for every day of my life. I mean, what better thing would there possibly be to have my life completely forfeit, given up and surrendered and placed in the hands of a loving Father and go, man, Jesus, this is all I've got. But if you would use me, that is the most exciting thing. That was like I'd ever heard. And I, got, I couldn't believe that Jesus wanted me. And it sounds crazy. I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. I was born in a Christian family. I could pray in tongues before I could read, which sounds awesome, but I just wasn't very good at reading. So, you know, there's it's a, it's a big margin of time in there. But, you know, like I knew God and I knew that He loved me, but I was like, man, why would you want me? 
Like, Jesus, why would you call me? The Bible says, you know, you've been called and you've been chosen and you read that in the Bible and I think that's pretty cool. But that means that the King of Kings, the creator of the whole universe looks at your life and says, you know what? I want you on my team. I want you on my team. And I felt like at that time, it was almost like I'd applied for an internship with the greatest company on the planet and I got in and they wanted me. And I was like, man, I would give Jesus anything. I would give anything to have that privilege and the honor of being able to serve you in your kingdom. There's something about who Jesus is that is just so irresistible when you get a whiff of it. There's something so incredible about the flow of the Holy Spirit that when when your heart catches it, whether it's instantly in a moment or whether it's bit by bit by diligently seeking Him, that just begins to change your life and your heart response and your attitude, your thoughts, your dreams, everything begins to flow out of a different space. There is something unimaginable about Jesus that He just begins to change you. And you can be a Christian your whole life and then you meet Him again in a staff room and you just begin crying. It's like you're taking communion for the first time and you're meant to be out hunting, but you're reading the Bible crying because Jesus is so real. And the heart that he has for this community, the heart of salvation that he's wanting to flow out, there is something about it that I want to encourage you. Prepare your hearts for it. Be diligent in seeking God so that you can catch what he's doing. This one time Jesus is talking to all of his followers. He goes, man, this is what it means to follow me. This is what it means. And nearly all of the people go, man, that's too hard. And they walk away. And then Jesus looks at his 12 disciples and says, what about you guys? Are you going to leave too? And Peter just goes, Man, leave? Leave to go where? Like, what? Are there, are there alternative options? Can, can I have a multi-choice here? Like, where else would I go, Jesus? Who else has words of life? And, and for me, uh, I just want to share, is, uh, where else would we go as Christians? Who who else would we would we surrender our life to? Like what what would be worth it? Like my job isn't worth it, and which is funny because I'm a pastor. But being a pastor is not worth it. I want to surrender my life to Jesus because He's worth it. I don't, I don't want to surrender my life to a paycheck because it's not worth it. I don't want to surrender my life to anything else because it's not going to give me eternal value and meaning. My life to Jesus is the only thing that is worth it. What, what else could you possibly consecrate your life to other than Jesus? I mean, if you have another option, I'd be interested in hearing about it because it could be easier. But I doubt you'll ever find it. Where else would you go? So I want to encourage you a couple practical things of how you catch what God is doing. How do you do it? Like, man, metaphors are great, but actually, what does that look like? What does it look like to pursue God? to go after it, to catch it, to pray about it, to step into it. How, how do you achieve that? Here's a couple practical things. And, you know, God richly rewards the hearts of those who earnestly seek after Him. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a starting point. And, and it's up to you and your diligence as to where you go from there. First one, really simple, ask God for it. Just go, God, just give it to me. And you might do that every day for, for months. You might do it once and get blown, blown apart. But just begin to go, God, give me a heart for it, please. 
What are you downloading to, to my senior leaders? Because I don't want to just hear something from my senior leaders. I want to hear it from you so that when I hear it from them, my heart goes, yeah, I, I agree. I don't want to just follow the thoughts of, of men. I want to follow the leadership of your Holy Spirit. And I honour and I love my leaders. But your leaders want you to hear from God for yourself. You can't, not everyone can be called to be a pastor, but everybody's called to be a world changer. Everybody's called to heal the sick. Everybody's called to raise the dead. It's not an elect few of the Christianity. It's every Christian. Even the name Christian means to be Christ-like, which means you're called to do greater things than Jesus ever did. Whether you do that on the building site, whether you do that in an accountant's office, wherever it is, there is something that God would, would have you do that only you can do. But if you don't pursue Him and go, God, what is it? What are you releasing to me in this season? How will I carry and steward the gift of salvation to a broken nation? How will I do it? How will I reach people? I tell my young people at youth group, I don't know your friends. I can't preach to your friends. I can't pray for your friends. I can't prophesy for your friends. I can't intercede to God for your friends, but you can because you know them. I don't even know that they exist. There are hundreds and thousands of people, connections that are represented in this room that I will never have, but you have them. How will you steward the heart of salvation for the people that you are connected with? So ask God for it. Seek Him for it. The second one is just be really practical with your wallet. Just be bold. Be obedient. So into it. Last week, Glenn shared about the dream budget and he talked about these. And these, like, these are the info desk. And I'm not here to get money. I'm here to inspire you to live a lifestyle of obedience because obedience is better than sacrifice. Being obedient is better than having an emotional response to something. There are times God has called me to do something and I'm like, oh, I'm so in. This is incredible. And there's times where I've just been like, man, God, that's so boring. But okay, I'll do it. And you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it. And then bit by bit, God begins to release His heart to you for it because you're being obedient and you're being diligent and you're stewarding what it is that He gave you. So I want to encourage you, forget what it is you've ever given financially in the past. Just let it go. Go, God, what are you asking from me now? What are you asking from me now? What are you wanting me to do? And then just be obedient with it. Don't be crazy, but get a word. And if your word's crazy, then be obedient. The third one is just start daydreaming. That's a big help for me. When I've got nothing, I just begin daydreaming. What would it look like? What would it look like if I walked into a mall and I saw a blind person and I prayed for them and they got healed and somebody saw it? And then I got to share with that person and I got to prophesy for them and then somebody saw that. What would that look like if then I got to pray for 10 people? What would it look like? Your mind begins to race. Sometimes I daydream about prophesying over people. What would it look like if I got to go and God gave me a word like this for that person? I daydream about prophesying over people. Just let your imagination wonder because God loves it when His kids dream and He loves to inspire their thoughts and He likes to take our thoughts and turn them into reality. 
I want to encourage you to pray for Glenn and Deb. This is the fourth one. Pray for Glenn and Deb. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your senior leaders. Pray for your life group leaders. Pray that God will give them boldness, that He'll release dreams in them, that He'll give them heart convictions, that He'll give them clarity. Because what happens when you begin to pray for your leaders for direction and insight and vision, what happens is your heart begins to open up to what it is that they're saying. And when they come back to you, go, man, this is what I feel God is saying. You, you hear the sound of what they're saying and the faith inside your response go, man, they've heard from God because you've partnered with the Word. And when you hear it bounce back to you like an echo, you recognize it because your spirit has been sowing into it. And that makes it easier for you to become a first follower to the vision that they've got laid out. That's one of the reasons why we pray for our leaders. It's not just so that they lead well, it's so that when they lead well, we recognise it and we follow and we inspire. One of the best ways to have incredible leaders is to be incredible followers. There's something about it for me when I know my youth leaders are behind me, I just feel like I'm a lot more bulletproof than I am otherwise. There's something about knowing as a leader that people are praying for you and they are with you and they're not looking at you to be perfect. They're just looking at somebody that God has called to do something. Go, man, if God has called you, then He can call me. So ask God for it. Sow into it. Daydream about it and pray for those who are already doing it. Catching a wave of God isn't hard. It's not meant to be challenging. But I just want you over this next season, I want to encourage you, begin to prepare your hearts. Going, and I'm not saying that God's going to come in, all of a sudden everything's going to change. But oh, I'd love it if He did. It would suit my personality style. But I so often look at my life and I just feel like, God, oh, I just want, can we just have like a thousand percent more adventure? 20% more excitement, 10 times more of this and more of that. And you know, that's fun. But when you when you actually just catch his heart, and you go, man, I'm just in love with Jesus. You will do for love what you'll never do for obligation. You'll do for love what you'll never do for money. You'll just do for love the craziest things. When I proposed to Rowanna, the date when I proposed to her, I spent $1,000 on the, that day on the lead up to asking the question. It wasn't even the ring. I just wanted to create the best environment I could because you'll do something for love. Love will compel you to do something that the greatest ideas never can. So in this season, I tell you, just over the next two, three, four weeks, or however long it takes you, set time aside and go, God, am I right where you want me or do you have something else for me? Where am I in your plans? Where am I in your purposes? God, I want you to take my heart and fill it with your vision and your purpose. Would you please stand with me this morning? We're just going to have a, a short time of worship. And, but while, while we're worshiping, if you're here this morning, you just go, man, God, I, I would love you to speak to me today or I just want to surrender my heart to you afresh. Then I want to invite you to come up the front and the prayer team would love to pray for you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, man, there's so many people in this room who do and they would love to introduce you. So this is how you meet Jesus and how you go, Jesus, I want to follow you. While worship is happening, you walk up to the front and you just stand there. And then someone will come up and say, hey, what would you like to do today? And then you say, I would like to meet Jesus. And then they will say, cool, I know him. I'll introduce you. And they'll just take from there and they'll just show you how to meet Jesus. So 
come forward for prayer if you'd like to or just enjoy a time of worship and over this next wee while pursue the heart of God that you would carry his heart